to another edition of the Knoll Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Carls. It is Wednesday, September 14th. We're two days away from Florida State going to Louisville, trying to be 3-0 for the first time since the 2015 season. And we've got a special guest for you today. We've got former Florida State quarterback EJ Manuel on the show to talk about the LSU game, talk about the Louisville game, Jordan Travis's development, a little bit about what he's up to at ACC Network, and a whole lot more. Uh, and they, then me and my coworker Essen will both uh, talk about the Florida State Louisville game and, and kind of break down our thoughts, break down some matchups. Uh, so, without further ado, here is EJ Manuel. Okay, we are joined by former Florida State quarterback EJ Manuel, the one and only. EJ Manuel also works with ACC Network right now as, a, as an analyst. Uh, EJ, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great, Carter and Essen. Uh, thank you guys for having me on the show. Excited to talk some Florida State football. Now, before we, we jump into things, I got to ask you about the reaction to the, the block extra point. That, that was probably the best one. You always see the reaction videos, and that was probably the best one that you had on, on ACC Network. Just take us through that moment, what was going on in your head, watching such a crazy finish in that one. Yeah, throughout the entire game, uh, I was excited watching just because of the moment for Florida State. Uh, playing on a big stage Sunday night, uh, it was Labor Day weekend. Nobody else was going to work Monday, so you know people were staying up late to watch this game um, against the SEC opponent in their neck of the woods in New Orleans. Uh, for me, it was you know an exciting matchup. The way the game ended, you know that's where my reaction came from as a player. Like that's probably how I would have responded the same way. Like let's go, like doing flex and all that. Uh, but genuinely, I was so happy for Coach Norvell, uh, so happy for Coach Odell Hagens. Um, happy for Jordan Travis, the guys that have been there through the ups and the downs. You know, I know how hard it is uh, to win a football game, let alone at Florida State as a quarterback. And there's a ton of expectation and pressure that comes with that position. And uh, I know that was just a moment where I'm sure they probably were able to take a deep breath and excel a little bit. So I was happy for them. But my, as far as my reaction, man, I, I believe Gardner Gold. And uh, I'm always rooting for all of our knows, not just for football, softball, basketball, doesn't matter the sport. You know, I always want you know my alum to to do well. So that's where that came from. You know, I think at that point, um, I can't remember. It was either thirteen or fourteen and zero. The SEC was against you know for the over that overall that weekend, the first two weekends. Well, one, what did it mean for the ACC and what did it mean for the program? You know, that's another great question. Uh, for what it meant to the ACC was, I think it gave us some validity. Uh, of course, people would, would try to water it down and say LSU is not the same LSU, um, but you know, I disagree with that. I feel like LSU is still going to be a good football team. They're still a good SEC football team. Um, we'll see how the goals for them within the season. But beside the SEC, I feel like it's more just to show that, man, we play good football in this conference in the ACC. I mean, you got Clemson, you got Florida State, NC State, Wake Forest. Miami's going to be good this year. Syracuse is off to a great start. Duke is off to a great start playing really well. Um, so, you know, it's just a matter of putting some respect on the ACC. And when these teams from our conference get a chance to play out of the conference, you have to carry the flag. Uh, so it's important for Florida State to beat LSU like they did. And Florida State, they, they hadn't won an opener, I believe, since 2016. Maybe it was 2017. And then now they're off to 2-0. and And 
they they have a legitimate shot if they win this week and next to start four and zero for one of the first times I think since since the twenty fifteen season. So um, I'm just wondering, you know, what what do you think is different about this team compared to the team that you saw the last few years at Florida State? This year's team is more mature, and what I mean by that is you don't see the uh, penalties of late hits. Although I think there was one in that first game against Duquesne, but you saw Coach. Novell go right to that defensive back and get after him and say, hey, look, this is not how we play. This is a championship-level football. Um, and a lot of people get caught up with the passing yards and the running yards and the, the interceptions, but it's about how you play the game. And football is a chess match. You know, for people that didn't really play it, they'll never really look at it that way. But when you actually put a helmet on and go out there and you practice in and you're in situations like third down, red zone, uh, clutch moments in the game where you have to come up with a big play, you realize this is truly a chess match. And so you can't get too high, you can't get too low, and I think that's where this football team is right now. Um, with some of the lows that we've had over the past four or three, you know, three or four years, I feel like those learning moments, these team now, they get it. You know, they understand what it takes to really close out an opponent, and sometimes it costs you to make a big play, uh, whether it's a sack by Jared Burst or whether it's a, you know, a blocked field goal attempt or a point at the touchdown uh, like we had against LSU. So that's the difference that I've seen. And also the body types. I think the body types are back to being how Florida State players should look um, as far as the speed and the physicality. I mean, you mentioned um, at the um, start, you mentioned how big this win was for Norvell. What, you know, what, where do you put this win for him in his, um, cur- his short career for um, FSU so far? Yeah, well, first, let's put some respect on Coach Mike Norvell's name. You know, when you address him, let's call him Coach Norvell. Yes, Sorry. sir. <laughs> Got that, but... Um, as far as him, man, you know, it's, it's a great win for him because, you know, it was a win that I think, again, got the monkey off his back, you know, and everybody's saying they can't win on a big stage. They don't close out games. They give the game away. And they almost did. You know, that, that late turnover in the game could have iced the game with, with whether it was a field goal or a touchdown or you just keeping your possession that you don't get back. But, you know, there was a fumble there that LSU went down 90-something yards, scored a touchdown. Uh, but I felt like the players are playing for Coach Novell in that sense. They're trying to make those plays for him. They're listening to what he and his staff are preaching. Uh, so for Coach Novell, man, this was a huge win. And uh, I think this is going to be a, a confident win, one of those wins that we'll look back on, you know, maybe down the road of his tenure as, as a head coach there at Florida State to say this was what turned the tide for him uh, with the Seminoles. I want to ask you about Jordan because uh, I think – we saw it all off season. Just we got to watch practice. We kind of saw the the growth that he has made, and uh, really was an impressive throughout the off season, particularly in preseason camp. But from what you see as a former quarterback and just knowing Jordan, what what maybe stood out to you about him so far, and and what kind of growth do you think he's made as a quarterback? Yeah, well, I'll go back to last season for Jordan. You know, I did a study on all the ACC quarterbacks this spring and April. And one of the things that stood out about Jordan's play, as he got more confident in the pocket, he played better. You know, you go back to the last three or four games of the season, he was throwing the ball uh, to guys like, you know, Ontario Wilson, just giving them chances to make big plays, you know. And everybody talks about his running ability. I mean, yeah, he has that. But I genuinely believe Jordan's a great passer. He showed that against LSU uh, on third down situations. There was a few moments where receivers drop passes, drop balls that were touchdowns. And nobody puts those in the stat sheet and nobody talks about them. They only talk about the ones that Jordan misses. So that's why, again, I'm happy for him that he had the success and he won that game. But as far as the growth he's had, I really believe he's grown as a passer. Uh, he's grown as a quarterback. And what I mean by growing as a quarterback is 
he plays a 60-minute ball game. He doesn't play a good first half and then a abysmal second half. He knows to put it together for 60 minutes within the game. And that's what this job is about, man. And it's not also about just scoring. Sometimes it's also about picking up your teammates. I know there was a few moments in that game where a, you know, a tackle or a guard or somebody might have got beat, but he makes enough plays uh, and enough ability athletically to still run out of the pocket and throw a ball down the field and, you know, uh, I guess – encourage his teammates when they drop those passes instead of getting down on them and not coming back to him. Uh, so that's what this you know position entails, and he's doing a great job of it to start the year. And, and you know, we've seen just how calm of a guy he is. He, he always, even when he's doing interviews, it's just flat heartbeat the whole time. Um, and something that, I mean, I don't know if you look at, like, kind of the analytics, the pro football focuses of the world, but he has been exceptional when it comes to – what what he's done against the blitzes, what he's done against pressure. I mean, you saw the the play where Alec Gay was was just hammering him, and he th- yeah. threw a great deep ball to Ontario Wilson. Uh, why do you think he's so able to to succeed in those kind of moments? Yeah, well, based off what I know of Jordan, he has a huge faith and background. You know, and what he believes in and how he carries himself. He always you know acknowledges God in his life, and I think that matters. You know, I feel like. Not saying you have to have a relationship with Christ, but I know as someone who also has that in these turmoil, you know, t- you know, tumultuous situations, man, tumultuous situations when it feels like the world's, you know, kind of against you. Um, that's what you have to rely on. I feel like that's something that's kind of kept him level-headed mentally. Uh, but as far as his play, you're right. I mean, to stand in there on a national stage and deliver throws like that on third downs, guys hitting you in the helmet, like literally lunging at your face mask and delivering dimes. You know, that's why I say you earn your respect. You know, you can't necessarily, you know, you're not, nobody's going to give it to you. You got to take it. And that's what I felt like he did in that LSU game. Um, and, you know, he's creating a legacy for himself. And that's, when I talk to him, that's something I always tell him, like, hey, in 10, 12 years, what do you want people at Florida State to remember you about, remember about you? And uh, I feel like that's a, a, a big chapter in his page or in his book, uh, this past game against LSU. I mean, um, as someone, you know, Jordan Travis was probably not, on NFL radars before, you know, this um, this season. Like you mentioned, you know, he closed out last year pretty confidently and was looked better. But you think he's kind of putting himself on the radar for that, or? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely on a radar. You know, I think every quarterback has a shot to play at the next level. It's just a matter of, you know, if a team or, you know, an NFL team really sees you as an NFL passer. And I feel like if he can continue to put together games like he did against LSU, uh, it doesn't have to be crazy stats, although that helps. You know, if you throw for three, four hundred yards, of course that helps and gets you on a headline of ESPN. Uh, but those in the know, those that know football, um, they'll see the small intangibles that he brings to a team. And uh, I just feel like he'll always have to prove that he's a passer just because when you're a running quarterback, people naturally just think, think that you're a running quarterback. They don't give you that passing respect. And so that's something that he'll continue to have to earn, and I think he will. We saw – them add four receivers in the transfer portal this offseason. Two of them right away have, have made an impact. Michael Pittman, Johnny Wilson, Deuce Span has shown some flashes. And then you obviously have Winston Wright, who once he's back, he could uh, really be a problem. Um, do, you, do you think like for Jordan, it was more of a matter of having the pieces around him before he could really pop? Or do you think it's a combination of that and also, you know, the growth that he's made over the last couple seasons? It's a combination of that. It's also a combination of the investment that's poured in t- into you as a quarterback. Uh, this past offseason, they invested in Jordan. Uh, it's obvious. I mean, last year was 
a matter of saying, okay, there's a quarterback competition between McKenzie Milton of UCF. Now he's at Florida State and Jordan Travis and then even another kid, Chubba Purdy. So, you know, none of that was talked about this offseason. Jordan was QB1. He earned that from last year. Of course, adding these players, that helps. Um, but let's be honest, those guys dropped some balls that could have, you know, sealed the deal as well. You yep. know what I mean? So they have to do better themselves. Um, and that's the funny part, man. Like, once I took this job, you know, once I became an analyst instead of being a player, a lot of times people don't talk up for the quarterback. You know what I mean? People would just say, oh, his completion percentage was this, or he had these many interceptions. Nobody goes back and actually watches. Well, not a lot. Go back and actually watch the tape. You know what I mean? Maybe it's not all on him. You know, maybe there's times where somebody needs to pick up another position, needs to pick up their game. So I think all of those things in combination around Jordan is going to help him have more success. Uh, but this team is really going to only go as far as he goes. And so I think the investment that Florida State and Coach Norvell's uh, staff put into him this offseason is going to pay off dividends in the long run. Yeah, I read that. I think you. I think I read that you messaged Jordan this offseason kind of about like watching his tape from last year, like you, you were saying earlier. Um, and, and you kind of were confident that this was all always kind of here for him. Like maybe was it more just how he ended the last season that kind of gave you that confidence or did you start to see it in him, you know, 2019, 2020 um, early in his career? Yeah. He had flashes where, you know, like looking at him like, okay, this dude, if he can put it all together, this is, you know, as good of a quarterback in college football as there is, just because he has a combination of speed, agility, and an arm strength. Like, he can throw the football accurately. It's just a matter of him having confidence, I, I believe. Uh, so, for him, again, as long as he continues to put it together, the pieces around him, I also think the offensive line is much improved uh, than years past. And people don't talk about that enough. Coach Atkins has done a great job. Um, and his staff, you know, I know he's OC, but he's, you know, deals with the offensive line. And uh, he's really helped those guys grow. I think also having continuity with Gibbons and Scott and those guys that have been there for a while, a lot of starts under their belt has certainly helped Jordan. Um, but as far as what I saw, the reason I texted him again, because I, I believe in supporting, you know, other quarterbacks. I, I, I message a lot of these guys that are playing college football. I, I took this job because I wanted to change the narrative, man. I don't want to just get on airwaves and just talk bad about guys and, and no, I mean, no, nobody's trying to throw an interception. Nobody's trying to miss a receiver. It's hard. It is. And I feel like you only really get to know it unless you've done it. And so the reason why I, I watched his tape and I instantly messaged him and said, man, you're going to have a big year, bro. Like, I wanted to encourage him. But also, I meant it. And I felt like I saw the flashes enough last season to where I was like, okay, he's starting to get it. He's starting to turn the curve a little bit. And uh, the, air, the reasons why, you know, we're picking up, picking up blitzes and hot routes and stuff like that, you saw that in LSU game. There was a few times where LSU brought pressures, and instead of him running around outside the pocket, he caught the ball, he knew it was coming, and he banged the slant or he banged the hitch and got the ball out of his hands. And then LSU's defender, now they have to make a tackle, so you put the pressure on the defense. And that's what Jordan's continuing to do. Yeah, you mentioned you, know, you get to reach out to quarterbacks and talk to them. Um, next quarterback coming up for FSU and their schedule is um, an impressive um, quarterback in his own, Malik Cunningham. What have you seen from him? Malik is uh, he's dangerous. You know, I would say his game uh, is similar to Jordan's in the aspect that you know he has the speed to really hurt you with his legs. Um, but again, he's a he's a he's a passer. You know, Malik had the highest quarterback rating of all ACC QBs last year, but everybody wants to talk about his running ability. So I feel like this is going to be a great matchup for Florida State. You know, coming off that high win against LSU, having a week off to prepare for you know a Louisville team that just won against a really good UCF team. Uh, so who better than to prepare than 
when your quarterback and Jordan Travis is very similar to Louisville's quarterback. So that should help the Florida State defense. I think the key for Florida State, though, will be to get him on the ground. He takes off and runs. They go back and watch Syracuse versus Louisville. You know, Cuse did a really good job of bottling him up, didn't let them hurt him too bad on the ground, uh, and obviously played good man-to-man defense in the back third defensively. So that's going to be the task right for shooting. When you look ahead for Florida State this season, what what are sort of your expectations, and have they changed at all after watching the first couple of games? Well, I think you still take it week by week. You know, I, I don't like to, you know, say, okay, one win means that, you know, this this team has now arrived or they're going to win this and win that. I feel like if they continue to move forward week by week, which I, I know Coach Novell has, has taught that, he's preached that, continue to focus on Florida State, um, they'll look up and be happy with where they are. But I certainly believe this is a team that's good enough to now certainly go to a bowl game. I want to say the last two seasons we haven't been to one, uh, but this team I think has enough talent, enough firepower to, to earn that this year. I think um, kind of, um, you know, FSU related, but also, you know, looking at Miami, looking at Florida, they're getting to off the decent starts. How important is it for, you know, the state of Florida to be doing well um, as a whole for football? Yeah, it's important for recruiting. Um, you see a lot of these players across the country that are from the state of Florida um, that now lead. They go to Bama, they go to Georgia, they go to University of Washington. You know, I think uh, Penix Jr., he's from Florida. You know, he's a quarterback at UW. Um, you know, there's a lot of players that will leave the state. Now, I'm from Virginia, so I left Virginia and came to Florida State, but, you know, I'm somewhat of a stepson of, of the state of Florida, you know, being that I went to FSU and had success. So uh, I believe it's important for all three to have good, you know, good starts, good seasons. And I think it's good for college football. I mean, as someone that works in this business now, like it's more fun when Miami and Florida and Florida State are good. Like it's, you know, at least the storylines, it, it adds to great games on Saturdays. So for those aspects, I believe, you know, hopefully they continue to, to, to play well because Miami has a huge one against A&M this weekend. And uh, again, you talk about the ACC, SEC thing, you know, they're going to have to carry the flag for us and we'll see how they do. And, you know, you, you talked about earlier just kind of reaching out to some quarterbacks and kind of using maybe your knowledge, your, your perspective from, from your experience. And, you know, you started at Florida State, like you were behind Christian Ponder at first, then you became the guy. Then obviously you went through the whole NFL draft stuff and, and played in the NFL. So you, you've kind of experienced it all as, as a quarterback. And I'm wondering what from your experience do you use to try to share with these younger quarterbacks coming up, you know, the ranks? Yeah, I've definitely experienced uh, a lot in the sense of the highs uh, and the lows, you know. And I think the best thing about that is that I can take it over to my job now. I can relate to almost pretty much any situation. You know, I can relate to the ones that are first-round picks. I relate to ones that, you know, everybody's saying they should get benched. I can relate to ones that won AC championships. I can relate to ones that have to meet the expectations of a huge program. Um, so for me, again, I always try to encourage, you know, these young men because, you know, there's not enough, enough of that going around in, in, in the world, period. Um, so for me, it's fun because I, I get to pour into young guys. Uh, I, I decided to stop playing football. I was, I was signed to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, to take this job, and I saw it as, you know, a long-term, like, man, this would be a really good calling to to get into media. I got my degree from Florida State in broadcasting anyway, so time was of the essence to me. Uh, but I really got into it to, to help build up the quarterbacks, not necessarily take them down. And don't get me wrong, I, I am objective and I'm fair, but at the same time, I always try to spin it optimistically. So, you know, with my past and things I've gone through as a, as a man and as a QB when I was playing, um, you know, 
that's why I'll kind of take it to take it into the job because people always want to remember the bad stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we don't necessarily want to mention like the good things that these guys have done. And that's what I try to do. When you first got, because I believe you were hired at ACC Network, right? When it launched 2019, uh, w- when you first started and decided you wanted to do this, is that something you knew how you wanted to kind of carry yourself, how you wanted to do your analysis right away? And does that come from any part of your experience? Like, did you feel like you were unfairly criticized or people focused on the negatives a little too much? Well, for one, like I said, I, I had to retire from the football side to take the job because I was under contract. So it was more of a, a decision of like, and it's a big deal. You know what I mean? Like I played six years. So I was like, all right, do I really want to stop playing football? And at this point, I was I was content with where I was, you know, in my life financially, like football. I was like, okay, cool. Like this is a better opportunity for me with the long-term sense of TV. I could do this for 20 years. Um, so the way I wanted to have my analysis, I had to learn first. I had to learn how to be an analyst. I had to learn how to speak. I had to learn how to interview. I had to learn these things. So I didn't necessarily know who I would be as an analyst. But as I continued to develop, I had great mentors like Brock Hewitt, um, you know, Rock Gilmore out West, he works for ESPN for a long time. So there's been guys that have poured into me and helped my, my game get better. Uh, but I, I guess as, as far as, you know, being, poorly, you know, criticizing all that kind of stuff, I just believe, you know, it's not fair to the guys to make it sound like this is easy. It's not. Like playing football is a very, very hard game. Playing quarterback makes it even harder. You know, so, so for me, I, and then again, I get nothing out of talking bad about a 19, 20-year-old college student. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. you're doing the best you can. So for, for me, uh, I just believe in always spinning it optimistically. Again, I'm not overly optimistic, but I still think there's good small nuggets that you can always take away from somebody's game. Speaking of um, good small nuggets to take away, you know, we talk a lot about quarterbacks, but is there anyone on FSU offense or defense that's kind of stood out for you early on? Well, uh, offensively, I think all three of the running backs are special. Um, I think Toafili, Ward, Benson, that's going to be uh, those three, I feel like, will help Florida State get back in a sense of winning, you know, more than seven, eight games just because you can run the football. When you can control the line of scrimmage uh, in any level of football, you're always going to have a chance to play well. You're always going to have a chance to be in the game. Uh, defensively, I think the one that stands out the most to me is Jamie Robinson. Um, he, he's a fun player. Uh, in the sense of he's like a ball hawk. He reminds me a lot of Darren James, maybe not the same size, but somebody that's going to tag you when you come across the middle. And he's not just trying to tackle you. He's trying to, t- to take the ball out. You know, I did a tape on ACC Network about Jamie earlier in the year. Had a chance to meet him at ACC uh, Media Days. He's a good kid, too. So those those couple players that, you know, off the top of the head stand out to me. Last question I got for you, EJ. You're coming back in, a, uh, I believe, a week, right, to, for Boston College? So- yeah, we'll be there in... Uh, I guess less than two weeks. Yep. So what do you what do you do for that? Do you do you go watch practice all week? What are what are kind of your plans? So normally when we have road shows or you know we're not in the studio in Bristol, uh, it's a normal week for me in a sense. I do radio twice a week on SiriusXM. Um, I watch a lot of my tape Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, by Thursday, I have the the ideas that I want to present on the on the TV show because I also do or Sports Center on Saturday mornings too. And that's not just ACC, that's more national. Uh, so it's pretty busy, man. It's a lot. You know, you got to watch 30 games in three days. Um, so as far as when we get to Tallahassee, we'll definitely go out and play golf in the Legacy Golf Course. 
for sure go out and uh, have a good time and that that evening um the night before the game but for me you know it's gonna be fun to get back with the fan base get fun you know be fun to get back in Tallahassee on actual game day Saturday uh because I've only been to I think one game as a fan you know when I, I was playing obviously I just had to lock in and play football but it's, it is much more fun to go as a fan and it's no pressure on me I have to go do the, do the show on tv and just enjoy the game and hopefully they have a good showing against BC and quickly I'll ask my last question I mean uh did you ever expect to be this much work getting in the media? Like, it's, is it as much work as when you were playing? Well, it's a different level of work in the sense of it's more the mental and the preparation versus the physical of running. And I still work out and do those things because that's just who I am. But, um, yeah, it's, it's still a lot of work. And I, I think I put it like this, Essen. If you want to be really good at anything, you have to put the work in, right? Uh, so I also have, you know, a broadcasting coach I meet with once a week. We go over my tapes. We go over the shows and she'll critique me and she's hard. Like she's like Jimbo, you know, they like, <laughs> like bring it down like the first five minutes of the show. And it's like a whole hour session. Uh, but again, if you want to be great at anything, it takes work. And, you know, I would say the media is just like that. I just think it's, you know, for, I'm, I'm excited that we, we take the responsibility serious that when we say something on TV or on radio or, you know, on publications like you guys do, people listen, people watch and people will take your opinions and a lot of times not do their own research. So if you guys say something about somebody, you know, make sure you're accurate, make sure you're right. You know, I think that's important for us as media people to, to do the work and, and make sure we do the research to make sure we're doing these players do, de- uh, you know, they're do just justice because they're, they're working hard too. And look, if, if they don't play, we don't have a job. You know what I mean? <laughs> that. These guys aren't playing good or they're not doing whatever, they're not playing football or whatever sport it is. You know, we have nothing to talk about. So we have to appreciate them as well. Definitely, definitely. I mean, we saw that during the pandemic a little bit, so. <laughs> yeah, slowed down like crazy. Yep, absolutely. AJ, anything else you want to plug? Anything you got coming up? Nah, man. Hey, just uh, a happy family man at this point in my life and, you know, a proud Seminole and can't wait to get back to Tallahassee in a little less than two weeks. But for real, continued success to, to Florida State. And, you know, again, I'm always proud, even if they lose. Now, it hurts, of course, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I still ride for the team, man, and, you know, go ACC at the very end of the day. Well, AJ, we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, see you next week at BC. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate y'all. Y'all be good. You too. Thank you. Okay, thanks again to EJ Manuel for joining the podcast. A really insightful interview. And uh, SN, before we we get on to to Louisville, just want to just want to see. I mean, do you have any extra thoughts on the LSU game? It's it feels like it was four years ago now at this point. But uh, any any extra thoughts? Yeah, no, it, you're right. It's a little crazy because we just drove back one week ago yesterday, so it's, it's weird. But, um, um, yeah, just on that game, it's still crazy, you know, how the ending is still surreal, you know. I don't know how you feel about that, but just to see, like, you know, the touchdown and the block kick, it was just a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I wrote a story a couple days after about the recruiting impact that it had just talking to a couple kids, talking to Andrew Ivins at uh, 247 Sports. And when you're in a standalone game like that, Florida State, all eyes are on you. I mean, they're the only game, and they're in primetime on a Sunday before a holiday. So, I mean, no one has anything to do Monday. They're all watching that game. To win in that fashion uh, and over you know a historic SEC program, Huge, huge for this program. And then as they went into the bye week, the big focus was like, 
okay, <laughs> it's a long season. We didn't just win the Super Bowl, and uh, let, let's let's get past this now. So let's let's not dwell on this. And I think maybe at the beginning of the bye week, that was a bit of a struggle, and then they kind of started to turn around. There was more intensity at practice. There was more sort of a energetic, polished feel to it. Um, and then last Friday, we, we watched Louisville UCF. Well, let's, let's transition to that. I mean, um, that, that was such a <laughs> – I feel like every FSU fan was tuned into that game. FSU Twitter was, was, uh, was, was cracking me up. But, um, well, I mean, that game was such a bizarre game. I wasn't very impressed by Louisville lesson. I don't know, like what 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 were kind of what your takeaways with, with what you watched? Yeah, I can't say I was impressed by Louisville that much either. Um, and granted, they beat a pretty good UCF team. It's not the UCF like you know two three years ago where they were national. I'm, you can't see the air quotes I'm doing it now, but national champions. Um, but you know, um, it was, it's still a pretty good UCF team, a well coached UCF team with Gus Malzahn. Boy, I, I don't know after that game. There were some bad decisions by UCF. Um, but Gus is um, one of the only coaches to beat Nick Saban multiple times, so, you know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's right. he, he does something right. But that game, wow, it just was such a uh, bizarre game with ton, tons of just mental errors and, and mistakes and missed field goals, all, all that sort of thing. But – I think the the big thing I took away, Essen, was, I mean, UCF was very limited at the quarterback position. They had a former wide receiver. Wait, and, wait. The commentators' entire game were saying that this guy, they were shocked that he was not, like, not a quarterback the whole time. Carter, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and he threw for how many yards? I mean, uh, it, it, they were a very the, limited offense. I mean, yeah. 131 yards passing, 16 to 34. He, I just want to make fun of the commentaries because that was just very annoying. I'm like, this guy's not doing doing anything, and you guys are praising him. Well, let me just remind everyone. I tweeted during the game, always mute Andre Ware, who coincidentally will be calling the uh, Florida State-Louisville game uh, this weekend. But 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 back to the uh, UCF <laughs> yeah, game. I, I thought that, I mean, they had a pretty athletic quarterback. He, he could really make some plays with his legs, but – I think second quarter, late second quarter, they kind of figured out, oh, yeah, this guy can't throw the ball three yards down the field. They really tightened up their defense, really stacked the box, and, and they couldn't do much. But, but in that portion where they were, they're kind of lining up as they would normally would, um, UCF was gashing them on the run. I mean, the first quarter and a half, UCF looked like the better team, um, and, and they couldn't quite take advantage, but – the the run game is something that Louisville has struggled against for quite some time. Last four seasons, they finished outside the top 75 uh, nationally in run defense. Uh, this season, through two games, they're number 116 in run defense, 117 in yards per carry it allowed. Um, this is a team that just gets gashed on the run. I mean, Syracuse, Sean Tucker uh, had, had his way with them. Um, against UCF you, you saw the quarterback you saw Isaiah Bowser had have a couple runs um and Florida State has an exceptional running game this year the three three-headed monster so when I look at this game I mean obviously Jordan Travis is going to need to make some plays but I get the sense I mean we already had the sense that Florida State likes to run the ball but 
in this game, I just feel, I have the sense that we're going to see a lot of Trey Benson, a lot of Trey Sean Ward, and a lot of Lawrence Toffoli. I agree, but I, one thing I'd be interesting to see is because um, they did a little better job in the second half, of Louisville, of um, you know um, stopping the run, and that's when they had like you know they brought everyone in the box and kind of put more pressure on the on the running backs to you know aid up the space, and I think they're probably going to start off the game like that. And force Jordan to throw the ball a little bit to make him prove that he, you know he's proven he could beat him. But they're gonna try making him prove it at first before I think before the running game opens up. It might be I think the running game takes uh, will take a second to take off. Yeah, especially in a road environment where nerves are high. Jordan Travis came from Louisville as as a transfer to Florida State. Maybe the thinking is let's make this guy beat us with his arm when. You know the emotions might be a little high, and it's a, it's a road environment that that might be the thinking. Um, you know, I know Louisville was able to really generate a pretty solid pass rush uh, in that UCF game. I, I was impressed. I mean, Yaya Diaby had one and a half sacks. Um, they had four sacks, six tackles for a loss. Like they were able to be pretty disruptive and generated a lot of negative plays. So, I mean, certainly. Uh, I, I think you're right. I, I think that could be uh, what happens. But um, I, one other thing I want to mention, just kind of on the other side of the ball before we kind of get into sort of uh, matchups a little bit more, uh, Malik Cunningham, I mean, for for how bad this Louisville offense has looked through two games, I, I believe they're you know, outside the top 110 teams in the country in scoring offense. Um, they've only scored – uh, what is it, 27 points through two games. I mean, they they have not found the end zone very much. They've not been uh, really good in, in, in any way. But uh, the, the one guy who just – he's an X factor is, is Malik Cunningham. I mean, when you have a guy like that on the field, you never know. I mean, there could be a 60-yard touchdown run, a 50-yard touchdown pass at any moment in the game just because of how special a playmaker he can be. Um, I mean, I think, um, like you're talking about last year, I think um, he had a, I can't remember the yardage, but he had a long touchdown pass. I think it was maybe 50, 60 yards. Then he had a 44-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. So Against Florida State. And, yeah, against Florida State. So the man can, you know, change the game with um, one play with his arm or his feet. And, you know, FSU might be the better team. They might look better. But, um, you know, on paper, but Molly Cunningham is the game changer. Yeah, and fun fact, he was a true freshman during Lamar Jackson's last season at Louisville, 2017. So he is a six-year senior. He's he's in that Ontario Wilson bunch where he's an old man. Uh, but uh, he, he it's quite an encore. I mean, no one's going to ever be Lamar Jackson, but for him to do what he's done uh, ha- has been impressive Malik Cunningham. I mean, last year he was one t- passing touchdown away from being one of five quarterbacks in NCAA history from having three thousand passing touch or three thousand passing yards, one thousand rushing yards, twenty pass touchdowns, twenty rush touchdowns. Only only five guys have done or four guys have done it, and he was almost fifth. One more pass touchdown, he would have had it. So like the numbers that he's able to put up. There was a game last year he had over two hundred rushing yards. So. It can happen at any moment. And we saw against LSU, Jaden Daniels, 
ran for 114 yards. He had, you know, a couple 20-yard runs. Uh, first play of the game, they lost outside containment with uh, Jared Verse, and he went for a 25-yard gain. Like, th- that's something that Florida State is going to have to shore up. They're going to have to be more disciplined. This is an offense that uses a lot of misdirection, an offense that, you know, has a, a pretty good-looking running back in, in Taiwan Evans. Uh, so, like, yeah, I think – discipline and communication and just sound linebacker play. These are all things that, that, that this defense is going to need to have. No, I mean, um, like you mentioned, you know, um, about um, Daniels, the last drive they were in, the the last time FSU defense was on the field, the last on the last drive they gave up a run of, I think, 14 and then the one for 22 yards. So the last time they were in the, uh, the LSU defense, I mean, the FSU defense took the field, they struggled containing a quarterback yeah and you know there's looking at the Jane Daniels the LSU game there's part of it that's like okay they were really keying on the the receivers in that game they did not want to get beat deep at all they you know really wanted to keep everything kind of in front of them they didn't want to give up the big play and what you sacrifice a little bit is what the quarterback can do with his legs and I, I do wonder how you defend Malik because I, I think I think probably what you do is you just sell out against the run. Um, he can beat you with his arms, but uh, he lost a couple, you know, he lost his two top receivers last year. I think he's got an impressive newcomer from Central Arkansas and, and Tyler Hudson, but uh, I don't know if he has quite the weapons. I mean, he just, he hasn't really gotten it done through the air yet. He's, been a top 40 quarterback nationally in pass efficiency the last couple of years but this year he's he's really struggled in that regard so maybe that maybe that's how you capitalize but with Florida State's quarterback play I don't know because they're, they're kind of the weakness of the defense so I don't know Essen, like how do you feel like Florida State should defend Malik I think you start off the game and make um same with Jordan Travis on the side you um gotta first make the uh, you know because they're both good really good quarterbacks but yeah. you um and Jordan Travis had more success this year, but like you mentioned, the, with you know the being being the road game and like you know kind of a homecoming for him, you you got to do um, you got to make him beat you that way. And I think it's similar for um, Cunningham. You just like okay, beat, prove you could beat us with the pass because we've struggled with it this year. And if you do, then you adjust and figure out um, you know how how to defend him on the run is you know how to take away the passers as well. I think you start off the game trying to take away um, hit the running. And make him beat you where he's probably less comfortable with the pass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tatum Bethune. We talked to him earlier this week. He he actually played Louisville last year while he was at UCF, and he said, you know, I know what the key is. It's bringing him down the ground. Like you just got to make the tackles. You you got to be sound as a tackle with that guy because if he slips out of one tackle, he could be gone. So I mean, last year you look at it, he had. Over 200 yards, or over more than 250 yards. He had four total touchdowns, two pass, two rush uh, by the first half against Florida State. So this is someone who Florida State knows well. They've played him three times. Um, and, you know, we've, we've, we have talked about when we – I wonder, you know, you, you wrote an opponent preview on Tallahassee.com, really went into the different keys to the game, a couple different players, Essen just – what, what what were kind of your big observations, the big takeaways you took when when you looked at Louisville beyond Malik Cunningham? 
Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, you know, he, Cunningham lost his top weapons. You know, got the Alabama transfer, got um, was an Ole Miss transfer as well. Yeah. Um, you know, um, Tyon Evans looks strong. You know, he looked um, he looked like he ran the ball really well. Um, then they have Tyler Hudson, the Central Arkansas um, transfer you mentioned earlier. He is um, looks impressive. You know, he doesn't have a receiving touchdown, but they, they don't have a passing touchdown yet this year. And of course, um, tight end Marshawn Ford um, led the team in receptions last year. And, um, you know, last week, he has five receptions this year, but last week he had three receptions, 38 yards. So he's starting to come on now. So he's always a threat. Um, you know, tight ends are always interesting because you got to have, like you mentioned, you know, Florida State has good, um, um, strong um, linebacker play. But the cornerback's a little more slow, so what happens if the cornerbacks end up on the tight end, you know? Well, I think the person that I think could be the difference maker for Louisville is Tyler Hudson. I mean, this is an impressive guy when you watch him play. He's about 6'2", 200 pounds, bigger, bigger receiver in that regard, and can really make plays for you down the field. He was an exceptional player at Central Arkansas, which you guys may not, you may know that Mike Norvell uh, was also a, a receiver there. So, um, but he, he is someone who is immediately translated and gotten a bulk of the targets from Malik Cunningham. He's clearly the top receiver on this team and watching him against UCF, he, he just, he had a, a drop and maybe another play that was kind of broken up or, um, I remember there was a couple plays he could have had that, you know, he ended up with three catches, 67 yards, but he easily could have had 100 yards in a game where they weren't super successful through the air. Also did great against Syracuse when they weren't super successful through the air. So with a Florida State defense, if if they are selling out against the run, if if they've got a guy spying on Malik Cunningham, that leaves you open. That leaves you in some one-on-one matchups. And so far, you know, Duke Cooper, Kevin Knowles, those are two guys that have struggled. Um, and I, I think this will be a big challenge for them to see, all right, this this is a pretty good receiver you're facing. Like, they, they were challenged against LSU. And, and although the, you know, the PFF grades and things don't reflect it as much, they didn't give up a 50-yard receiver against LSU. So that was quite the accomplishment, um, but I want to see it on a consistent basis. What are they going to do against a guy who they might have to be matched up more one-on-one? You know, it's one thing when all the attention's on the receivers and you kind of have safety help, but what's it going to look like if they're selling out, uh, selling out against the run and you're matched up on an island with Tyler Hudson? I, I just want to see what that'll look like, and I think it'll be a good test uh, for these cornerbacks. And one thing about that is, you know, I don't want to. I'm not one of those people that's going to speculate. But did LSU receivers kind of quit in that game? You know, that's a different story. So <laughs> a different test. You know, we're not going to get into that because I'm not sure if they did. You know, I'm not going to speculate. I, I'm going to speculate. They did. <laughs> a couple I'll of them did. They, they were not 100. I, I was. I'm not going to speculate. They quit, but I'll say they were not 100 percent engaged throughout the game. Yeah, is one I, what I could say. You know, so um, what happened? You know, like you mentioned. This caliber receiver, when they're actually engaged, how does the defense respond? Absolutely. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about, um, you you wrote about 
the offensive line. Unbelievable. One sack through two games. Duquesne, okay, not that impressive. LSU, to not allow a sack in that game is just incredibly impressive. With that defensive line that they have and with what we thought this offensive line would be, and going in that game, the right tackle is out and bless Harris. They put in Justin Turrentine, and then their center, Marie Smith, we didn't know he was going to play. And they put him in. He really pushed hard to play in that game, and they didn't think he'd be available, but he pushed hard to, to get in it after he you know, suffered an injury at Jacksonville during preseason camp. But they, they really held their own against one of the nation's best defensive lines. Uh, Essen, when you look at this offensive line, I mean, you wrote about him a little bit today. What, what has kind of jumped out and impressed you the most? I mean, so let's go, you know, we talked, one of the wrap of the um, FSU game, but bring that back up again, you know. You know, you could say LSU is down when everything else, you know, offense, you know, every, secondary is not what it used to be or whatever, you know. They have a new coach. That defensive line is still no joke, you know. that If there was one thing about the LSU team that was legit, it was the defensive line. And they, you know, um, and FSU handled themselves really well against them. So that's, I think that's a huge takeaway for the offensive line, you know. They played well. Um, one question is, did they open up running holes that you kind of expected in that game? Maybe not, but they kept maybe the and it seemed like the game plan maybe was to um, throw more. And Jordan Travis did a great job of that. So the offensive line did a great job of um, opening, um, keeping him upright. I think when healthy, we always know who three of the offensive linemen are. You're always going to have Robert Scott at left tackle. You're always going to have Dylan Gibbons at left guard. You're always going to have Marie Smith at center. Who the right guard and right tackle combination would be, we weren't really sure. And with Darius Washington now fully back in the mix, fully available and and 100%, will he get any play? Right now, Dimitri Emanuel is the starting right guard. Justin Turntine is the starting right tackle. But will that be the case the whole season? I think it was important, and you mentioned it in your story, they played all 71 snaps together, that five, after rotating quite a bit in Duquesne. They played all 71 snaps against LSU. Will that continue to be the case? I think Justin Turntine's a guy who you love the frame, you love the size, but can he be consistent? Dimitri Emanuel someone who I thought was a little bit more proven uh, at, in, in the college ranks. Um, you know, he came from Charlotte, so it was, it was an adjustment to Power 5. And I think there's, you know, a good amount to like in that game. But you also have Darius Washington, who's kind of your versatile, oh, you need him at center, oh, you need him at left tackle, right tackle. Like, you put him wherever, and, and he can be serviceable at least. Um, Essen, do you, do you think that's the starting five the rest of the season, as long as they're healthy? Or I, mean, I, I guess that's the qualifier, because um, I was going to say yes and no, because I feel like with the offensive line, you're going to get injury at some point, right? Yeah. Not getting deep, but it's good. You kind of like, and I think, um, um, you know, um, Alex Atkins kind of um, referred to it today. He's like, you know, things are going to come at us, and we're going to have to deal with, you know, offensive line changing. But if they're all healthy, yes. I think that's the starting group. Because I think I like the, you like the idea of Washington, of like, you know, being able to step in anywhere because he can and he's proven he can do it. So he can be the super sub, you know, because you're going to have a play where an offensive lineman turns his ankle a little bit and he's got to come out for a couple plays. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I really like Darius Washington, and I've been very surprised by what we've seen from Justin Turntine. I think he's exceeded everyone's expectations. Um, he didn't have the best year at South Carolina. Before that, he uh, I guess he was there two years, but the, the final year where he started a lot of games, didn't have the best. He came here. We didn't know if Florida State would – would take him they did and I think he's exceeded expectations that the question is just kind of the consistency aspect of it uh so that's what I want to see is what does this group look like on a week-to-week basis what do they look like in October what do they look like in November I think Alex Atkins has the flexibility to where if Jason Turntine has two back-to-back bad games you can put Washington in there. If Demetri Daniel struggles, you know, if, if one guy turns his ankle and he's like 90%, but you want him to get fully healthy again, I don't know. I just, I think Alex Atkins has done a fabulous job of adding depth to a room that had none of it. I mean, last year, they, they really could have used a lot of these guys, and it gives you some flexibility. You see Justin Turntine, he's played right tackle, left tackle, right guard, Darius Washington's played center, left tackle, right tackle, right guard. Uh, Bless Harris played both tackle positions against Duquesne. There is so much versatility there, and um, I don't think that's what Alex Atkins wants. I think he wants one starting five, and that will forever be the case. But to have more flexibility there, to have some versatile guys in the mix, it gives you a lot of great insurance in case injuries or poor play uh, happens. Um, so, uh, before we get to predictions, I'll just mention real quick, I'll, I will have a, a feature on, on, on Jordan Travis and sort of his development. Talked with Tony Tokars, the quarterback's coach at Florida state. We talked to, uh, uh Jordan Travis, uh, and a couple others for this story. And I think you guys are uh, really going to enjoy it. Um, and, and now SN, I want to just g- go straight into it. Uh, predictions, uh, What's your score? What's your vibe? What you thinking? What what's gonna happen in this game? Yeah, I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be, should be a close game for the most part. I think, you know, um, I think ultimately FSU pulls away at the end just because I think in terms of talent, I think FSU is a better team. I don't know if you agree there. Um, they just have more talent overall. But I think at the end of the day, LSU is gonna pull up. I think mean, FSU is gonna pull up the win. Um. I'd say I'd say thirty-one twenty. Wow, you are one point off my prediction. <laughs> I got thirty-one twenty-one. Okay. Uh, and I, I think we're being pretty favorable to FSU because early this week it was it was a FSU was favored by two. I think it was uh, even closer than that earlier in the week, but. Uh, yeah, I think I think Florida State wins this by two scores and the the reason being I haven't been overly impressed with Louisville this season. I'm not fully sold that Scott Satterfield will be Louisville's coach by the end of the year. I just I don't know that that they have the talent needed to be the team people thought they would be this season. Um and you know, overall, I think it's it's really just about 
what Florida State has done offensively that gives me the confidence that they'll win this game. They can run the ball extremely well. The offensive line has exceeded expectations. And Jordan Travis has, has played at a high level and has better receivers than he did last year. So you put all that together, I think they can jump out to a, a lead pretty early in the game. And then they're just going to hold on to that lead by running the football and playing solid defense. Um, so, yeah, I, I think with Malik Cunningham, he's always the X factor. You, you you don't truly know. Like, he he might just go off. He might have a crazy game. I think if Florida State loses this game, it's because he won this game for Louisville. It's because he was, you know, a baller. But I think – Florida State's going to do enough to keep them in check. They've, you know, got some solid linebackers, um, solid defensive line, uh, good safeties. I think cornerback, they can hold up enough. Uh, It's not like they're going up against the LSU receivers again. So, uh, anyway, 31-21, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, With that, Essen, do you have anything, any other stories you want to plug uh, that you've you've got working on or or, or that people should, should read this week? Well, I mean, uh, FSU soccer um, is still playing well. They start ACC play against Boston College on Friday as well. So that should be interesting starting with ACC play. So we'll see how they look. Um, we'll have a preview this week for the um, ACC play and what it looked, what um, the road ahead looks like for FSU. How about you, Carter? Are you working anything? Men's basketball is coming up. It's, it's upon us. And I've got a story on Leonard Hamilton. Uh, actually watched practice today. Uh, at FSU, and uh, I think they've got a lot of intriguing talent this year. They're a very inexperienced team. Not a lot of, like, veterans on the roster. Uh, so I think it's, it's a team that will maybe start slow and get better as the season progresses. They've they've got a very tough schedule to start off the season. They've got Florida. They've got Purdue. They've got uh, the ESPN Invitational. And then they've got four conference games in December. I don't believe that's ever happened in program history. And that includes a game at Duke. Uh, so this is a team that will be tested early. And uh, But I do think they have intriguing pieces. I do think they'll be better than last year. Last year was, to me, just such a fluke with how many injuries there were. Uh, they've, they've got a lot of intriguing young guys. So... Um, that's not my focus for the story, though. Uh, all that to say, Leonard Hamilton's kind of the focus, sort of who he is off the court, um, what what kind of makes him a great mentor uh, for you know a lot of these players that have come through the program. So, um, thank you guys. What well, talent, you know, then you probably um, people realize for Florida State. What what'd you say? A lot more NBA talent than people probably realize that is an NBA currently net right now for the um, for um, F- coming out of FSU. Yeah, man, and hopefully I'm trying to get him on the phone tonight, but I'm looking to interview Terrence Mann for the story. Uh, so we've kind of been playing phone tag, but um, if he's in it, you'll you'll definitely want to read it. Uh, and uh, anyway, that that's really all I've got. So uh, with that, you can check us out at Tallahassee.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Knowles Sports. Um, And uh, thanks for listening.